Welcome to SECC. We pray that you are blessed today as you listen. I've been thinking a lot recently about trauma, um, which I said last week about the pain. But as we come out of COVID, or look like we're coming out of COVID, um, I've been thinking about trauma a lot, hence this series uh, looking through the Psalms uh, and the Old Testament. And it really occurs to me on a daily basis just how broken people are, how, how messed up we are, how a lot of things that have happened over the last two years, um, we didn't perhaps feel that pain during COVID, but as we come out of it, the trauma of not just a pandemic, but maybe we've lost loved ones or we've had personal problems or we've been hurt by people, um, the pain of that now just seems to be uh, like an onslaught attacking us in a way that perhaps we didn't think, think it would. It's almost fermented and got worse um, over the last couple of years. Um, during COVID, we've been on survival mode, I think, as human beings, haven't we? We've been getting through day to day, watching the news, seeing when the next party at Downing Street is, sorry, um, and what the next restrictions are, what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do, and, uh, and that kind of thing. And, and that's been like survival mode. And now we're coming out of survival mode. It's all just bubbling up in people. And you can see it. I see it every day in conversations with people. People are, are messed up. They're broken. They're hurt. They want to cry. They want to shout. As we said last week, a lot of people are just very angry. And so as Christians, we come to God's word and we want to just find the truth of God to say in all of this trauma uh, that our world, our friends, our family and ourselves are going through. Because trauma is a, a dangerous thing. If, you, if something bad happens to you, it, just because you get over it in the moment perhaps or a few months later, doesn't mean the trauma of that incident hasn't gone away. And actually, sometimes people can be affected by something that happened years later, months, years, decades later perhaps, just a sort of an anecdote of that. I remember speaking to my nan a long time ago now, um, probably like 2001 or something. And I remember her speaking, she was speaking about her brother. I've told you this story. Who died. He died when he was about 15, drinking milk straight from the milk bottle. And he caught uh, TB, I think it was. And he tragically died. And what really struck me was as my nan spoke about that, um, she cried. The emotion was so raw. And not that she shouldn't be sad for the loss of her brother, of course. But that emotion was still so raw. 60 odd years later and I thought wow you're never ever dealt with that trauma and so we need to be people that deal with our trauma and our hurts and one of the things that trauma does I think I'm no expert of course but just from knowing people is I think trauma robs us of confidence I think it replaces our confidence with perhaps a crushing sense of anxiety as well. And this is where being a Christian is the most wonderful thing in the world. This is where I'm so thankful that I became a Christian when I was 11 years old. I'm so thankful that Jesus is my King and my Savior, that I know God as a friend. I'm so thankful for my faith because where confidence has been robbed in my life and replaced with anxiety, Jesus has given that confidence back to me. You see, God deals in the currency of confidence when you read the Bible from start to finish, uh, God doesn't deal with half-truths and maybes and ifs and buts. God deals with certainty. He wants his people to know that when they die, they're going to his kingdom to live forever. God wants his people to know that actually when they've asked for forgiveness, all their sin, all their brokenness, all their darkness and mess has been wiped clean. God deals in the currency of confidence. And Christians are certain people. And when we're not certain, that's because we've not got close enough to God or memorized his truths. And I'm so thankful for my faith during these last couple of years because at no point have I been anxious about the future. I've trusted that no matter what might happen, 
I know that my eternity is secure, and I know that my confidence in my future is found in God, not in situations I find myself in. This morning, I was reading Philippians um, as part of my daily quiet time. In the letter to the church at Philippi, Paul writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's the language of confidence. It's whatever this thing is happening to you. If you trust in God, he's going to send his peace, and it's bigger than what you're going through. It's going to transcend all of it, and it's going to guard your heart. And I'm so thankful for that reality in my own life. doesn't mean that things don't hurt. The Bible never lies. God never promises that once you become a follower of Christ, everything just is a bed of roses and a bunch of kittens and rainbows. Absolutely not. The Bible says actually you'll have trouble in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Hope is not in here. Hope is in God's coming kingdom. Hebrews 13 verse 6 says, And so we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Even there, we've got this confidence that even if there are bad people in our lives, what can they do like in the eternal sense to me? My hope is in heaven. God is my king. So the Bible deals in the currency of confidence. Our series of talks across January, uh, we've taken a pause from our extended service. We're looking forward to picking it up again in January. Um, but our series of talks I've titled Words of Hope, and it's based from these things called the Psalms. And if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, the Bible is, of course, in two halves, if you like. Um, the Old Testament, the bit about Israel and Noah and Moses and all those kinds of people. And then the second half, the New Testament, is about Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus at Christmas what he went on to do and say, the miracles, his death at Easter, how he rose from the grave on the third day, Easter Sunday, and then the growth of this this new bunch of people called Christians and the church and all the things that God did through his people. So that's the second half. And so in the first half, um, you've got this book called the Book of Psalms. It's not really a book at all. It's a collection of songs and poems. And The book of Psalms is really like the hymn book um, for God's people as they worshipped at the temple. We come to a church, but this is just a building. God doesn't live here. Um, But in the Old Testament, there was a temple in Jerusalem. You can go and see a bit of it even now. And uh, and there was a room, and that's where God, his presence, actually physically dwelt. And so people go there to worship him. That's where they had to go to worship God. We now, because God lives within us, can worship him anywhere, which is wonderful. Um, But they would go there, and these hymns, these songs, these psalms were like the hymn book to that worship in that temple. And so it's really quite wonderful what we have here. So if you want to open up Psalm 91, I'll just wait for the various verses to appear on the screen or various points. Don't worry if not, I'll read bits of it. But I love this psalm. It's really quite wonderful. It's titled, My Refuge and My Fortress. Um, It starts with real confidence. Um, Verses 1 and 2, I love the way this song starts. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
I love that. It's almost like a defiant beginning to this psalm. He's got his problems, you've got yours, I've got mine. But this person who wrote this song says this defiance, almost defiance. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow, will rest, not might. He will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And then I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress and my God in whom I trust. It's wonderful. I love it. I love the fact that as a Christian, I get to be defiant to my pain. We live in a world that seeks to understand it and carry it and live alongside it. Pain often becomes a strange bedfellow people learn to live with. I live with my brokenness and my cracks. Jesus promises to restore those cracks and make us new. New creations, as 2 Corinthians says, we're not ever meant to be people that just carry baggage. We're supposed to, in Christ, put that baggage down and let God get rid of it, and then we are made new. And so this psalm starts with that hope. It's almost like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is boring, I hate it, but it's a nice illustration. I endure it at Christmas every now and again. It's too long. Anyway, but there's that scene with Gandalf the Grey, before he changes his cloak and becomes Gandalf the White, uh, and he's got the stick thing, and he's got the big, the, the, uh, big monster. See, I only watched it a few times. And the big monster comes over, and he says, You shall not pass! It's like that. Defiant. Still hurts. He still gets whipped off down to the dungeon before he comes back. But I love that defiance. And that's how Christians can be. That's how God wants us to be, I think. Our pain often comes to us and wants to say, be anxious, be scared, hide, run. And God says, just say no. (laughs) No. How dare you? You won't come any closer to me. In the name of Jesus, not my strength, but because of God's strength in me. And I think that's how Psalm 91 starts with defiance. Because I dwell in God's presence I will be able to say, he is my refuge and my fortress, the one in whom I trust. I wonder, have you got into the habit of carrying the pain, accepting it? It becomes part of you. I don't believe that's what God's plan is for any one of us. It takes a while and it's hard work. But I believe God wants us to put it down and walk with Jesus and walk in newness of life. We're promised a full life, life in all its fullness not half-life. So often in the world we can only offer a half-life, but God offers you a full life in all its fullness. So then we get to the context. So that's the first two verses. Uh, and then you've got the rest of the, the song, of course. And the context of this song, what it goes on to say, really, is, uh, is kind of the message itself. Um, but this is very much a song for the singer. Um, it's tender, it's intimate, as you can see there. It's written to inspire confidence in the person that sings it. The person that sings this song as they worship God, it's meant to inspire them, rile them up to a greater sense of faith. As you sing this psalm, you're supposed to think, yeah, I can face any trial, any danger that comes my way. It's a song for the singer to sing it and believe it and lift their hearts so they can face the music with the music of God, perhaps. And it reminds me of why we sing on a Sunday morning, because let's face it, it's a bit weird, some of the things we do as Christians. We talk about one book endlessly, we sing together, sometimes in tune, um, and sometimes we even manage a slightly awkward applause at the end like that. One or two people may even put their hand up like that, and then think, oh no, maybe not. Um, But it's awkward, it can feel awkward. But there's something special about worship. That's why it's so important that we do it and we give ourselves to that public declaration through song because we sing what we believe and then when we declare it, it tends to impact our heart. I find it fascinating that the devil, um, that every church, I should say, debates one thing, songs, song choice and worship. 
And I wonder if that's because the devil knows that when a group of Christians give themselves humbly, pure-heartedly to worship together, there's no stopping them. I think that's true, personally. Thank you. I agree. Um, so it's important that we worship. We had a leadership meeting this week. The leadership team, of course, been uh, me and Rachel and Anne and um, Gavin. That's everyone, isn't it? <laughs> I've forgotten anyone. Sorry? Dean, sorry. I don't know, you know why? Because she left the room and I thought, oh, no, mentally, I've just got to email. Sorry. So that's our leadership team. We met on Tuesday to, to just chat about stuff and just think about how to get the church back to a sense of normality. And we all wanted to worship together. Well, I don't know if they did, but I insisted on bringing my guitar and uh, singing out of tune and, and playing badly. Uh, I had a great time. But it's so important that we worship together. It's so important that we sang the truths of God as a team because we want to be one in Christ as we lead this church as God's called us to. So it's a song for the singer. The second point is that this, this sort of psalm holds its structure, holds its message. Verses 1 and 2 uh, really is the main theme. And everything that comes next just kind of expands on this theme of trusting in God and why you can. Verses 3 to 8 uh, expands this hope that he speaks of in those first two verses. That when I'm in the presence of God, I can survive anything. And in verses 3 to 8, we get these really explicit examples of when God can be trusted. Lots of different perils are listed in verses 3 to 8. Nighttime, darkness, arrows, pestilence, plague. There's talk of snares and slanderers that want to bring you down in verse 3. In verse 7, we've got this thing about people falling to your left and collapsing around you on your right. 10,000. And the message being simply that as you stand in these really difficult situations, even if everything is collapsing around you, those that make God their shelter, God their refuge, the fear of all those things doesn't touch you. There's a film in the 90s, um, and one part in the film, um, there's a big fight scene, and everyone starts shooting, and things blow up. And there's one little tiny boy... And one guy looks after him, and he puts a set of headphones on his head and plays classical music. You might know the film. And, uh, and as this whole scene unfolds around him in slow motion, explosions, people flying all over the place, this little boy's got this set of headphones on, and he's at peace. He's just calm. The world around him is at war. But in that moment, he's at calm. You can tell me at the end if you've guessed the movie. Um, but that's kind of what these verse, verses 3 to 8 are promising When there's pestilence and famine and people falling either side of you, left, right and center, for those that make God their shelter and their refuge, you're like that kid with the headphones on. You just have that sense, you can have that sense of calm, even when everything is falling apart around you. And that is the key for the Christian. Verse 4 is a wonderful verse, says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Describes God in two wonderful ways. This sense of strength, a shield and a rampart, like armor. He's a tough God. He's a God that can do things. But then you get this wonderful image of like a wing of a bird around its young. Just protecting and looking after. Aren't we all looking for that person just to put their arm around us and love us? I come from a broken home and not particularly traumatic. I'm very thankful to God for that. But I longed for that adult, for that father figure to love me. And to put his arm around me and just say, oh, I love you, son. But never had that. But it's not been the trauma it has been for so many other people. Because God has been my father in heaven. I've had a, a dad in heaven, if you like, who has had his arm around me since I was 11 years old. And he's never once let go of me. And that's my hope. 
And that's my headphones in the midst of a, a trial and a terrible scene. Then we get to verses 9 to 13. And, and the tone changes from verse 9. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. It's kind of like a cause and effect type thing. Because you make God your refuge, because you make that step of faith to trust him, then actually it's more than just a sense of peace you get. God can actually intervene in the real world. And this is what we need to speak of powerfully as Christians. Not everything happens the way we want. Sometimes our prayers don't get answered, I hear you say. Of course. But the Bible never promised every prayer would be answered. But it does promise that God will be with us in our pain. And there are two things that we can take away from those couple of verses. The first is that God um, can make a difference in our lives practically. And we're going to hear a story at the end of our service about a time when God's hand has moved to rescue a real rescue. Because God does. All of us who are in this room have stories where we have prayed and we have said, God, this is terrible. Help me. And God has answered that prayer. And we say, years later even, God, thanks so much. Thank you. Had you have not answered that prayer, I'd have been over there. But I'm over here because you rescued me. So God does move in our lives. We believe that God answers prayer powerfully. It might be through a healing or a deliverance or something else. But not more than that. Even if you do have to go through a time of suffering, the Bible teaches us that actually God can even bring good from it. Romans 8, God works for the good of those who love him. I know many people in this room and across my own experience who've gone through horrendous experiences. And at the time they said, why didn't God? I said, I don't know. I don't know. But then they look back and they say, but yeah, out of that terrible thing, God has managed to do something wonderful. He's brought me to a place I never thought I'd get to. I'm a different person. I'm a better person because if nothing else, I learned to trust him. I'm over here when I would have been over there. It hurt to get there, but I'm glad I didn't go there. The Bible tells us the truth. It's a privilege to follow Jesus. It's a privilege to know the peace of God, peace in times of trouble. And God invites every single one of you at home or in this room to be near him, to be in his presence, to be under that wing, to know that peace in times of trouble, to know answered prayer and to know his help. And so you say, how do I get into God's presence? The short answer is just ask him. (laughs) But there are three things in the final couple of verses. Because he loves me, the Lord says, I'll rescue him. I'll protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my foundation. Three things that we can just pick up on briefly. The first is that um, loves me. I love God. I love God. I love Jesus. I love the fact that he's my savior. You've got to be in a relationship with him. God is not just a, a thing that you hold at arm's length and say, well, Lord, save me or don't save me. But if you don't, I'm not going to believe in you. If you do, then I'll believe in you. No, you say, Lord, I'm going to come to you and I love you and I'm going to follow you with all my heart, mind and soul. That's how you get into the presence of God. You take the step to know him as your God and your friend and your savior. We've got to hold fast as well because it's so easy to fall away from Jesus. It's so easy to fall away from our God. How many Christians were once on fire for him and they've stepped back? They were so close. 
Now they're so far. You've got to hold fast. You've got to cling on to God, even when everything screams, give up. Because the devil loves it when we give up, but you cling on to him with all your heart. So it's like when you're a child, and whatever adult looked after you, but let's say a dad, for example, uh, but it could be anyone, and you're terrified. What do you do when you're about that high? You just grab onto their leg, and you don't let go. And that's what it's got to be like, that grabbing hold of God. And then finally, it talks of calling, calling him. I will answer when he calls me. We've got to ask constantly, Lord, help, help, help. Call on God and he will move closer to us. So many things we could dwell on this morning, but I'll stop there. But I guess the the underlying message here is life is rubbish. (laughs) It's always rubbish. It's always going to be rubbish. Until Jesus comes back and takes us home, this world is always going to hurt. And the only question is, where are you standing in that hurt? On your own? With the wrong person? Or next to the King of Kings? So he can cover you with his love. Let's just pray. Lord God, I just want to lift up everything we said this morning. And Lord, I just want to pray, Father, for all of us in this room and watching from home or watching later on perhaps. Lord, I want to thank you for your love for every single one of them. Father, some may not sure, be even sure they believe in you or have not made that decision to properly follow you yet. Father, some may have drifted backwards um, when they were once so on fire for you. Some, Lord, may be uh, followers of you for many years but going through a really hard time and wondering what on earth is happening and why you're not answering their prayer. Father, I just really want to ask your blessing on everybody. That, Lord, even sitting here, even now as I pray, that they would feel the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, rain down your peace on people's hearts, even in this, t- this place now. Lord God, please move in uh, where those cracks are, where those brokennesses are. Bring healing. Lord, even now, heal in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon every single one of us. That we would just know you properly. That we would know how much you know of us and how much you love us. And Lord, I pray that that peace that passes all understanding, that Lord defies our pain, would define us going forward. Father, I want to pray especially for all those who are at breaking point this morning. All those, Lord, for whom the next day terrifies them. Lord, who think, how can I get through the next hour? Lord, who are carrying baggies that they can no longer drag. But Lord, it's beginning to rock them backwards. Father, I ask for your special blessing on them this morning. Lord, give them freedom in the name of Jesus. Give them joy in the name of Jesus. Bring them healing in the name of Jesus. We commit all this to you now in your name. Amen.